Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Gum Tree Lane, and the author who joins me is Beverly Schlotto. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for calling. It's uh, it's going to be fun to talk about the book. It's a, an interesting book because when I first saw the cover and uh, glanced at it, it looked as though it might be a short read, maybe even a children's book of 10 or 15, 20 pages with lots of illustrations. It mm-hmm. turns out it's actually a novel of 174 pages. Uh, share with my listeners <laughs> right. a little bit of how that got uh, got to be printed and wh- where the, uh, the idea for the story came from. Okay. Um I've always been fascinated with Australia, and we went there back in the 90s, my husband and I, and we ended up investing in a property over there. And so for the next 30 years or so, we went back and forth between Mm -hmm. Australia and the U.S. quite a bit. And so all of, and so I decided to write a story. In fact, I wrote the very first part of it on the plane coming back from Australia, the first chapter, Hmm. and it set my computer for several years before I got around to picking it up again. Ran across it in in my documents one day, and I thought, I read it, and I thought, I need to work on that. So I took it up from there and finished it out. And it's uh, go ahead. Well, I was just I was asking. I was curious. A lot of my authors have had a lifelong ambition to be noted or recognized as a print author. Is that something that you have uh, pursued indirectly mm-hmm. or had a desire to do? Uh, well, I have. I've been writing for many years, but I've not published. Uh, I have written and taught uh, Bible studies for about 25 years, mm. and um, but I never published them beyond just uh, printing them out for my students, and I had a class of 100 or so. Wow. Uh, so I've got, I've got a whole bunch of those, but I intended when I retired from doing that last year, my intention was to put some of the Bible studies into print and have them published. Hmm. But then I got hooked up with this story again that I'd started back in 2011 on the plane, and I thought, oh, I need to finish that. And so I just had a really great time writing it. I enjoyed it so much, just sitting down and getting involved with the characters and the places that I remembered in Australia, because this does take place. In Australia, that's what where Gumtree Lane is, the fictional Gumtree Lane. There's, the places are real, stories fictional, everything else is fictional except the different towns. And I've been in all those towns and 
have memories of those. So it was a lot of fun writing the book. Your main character, is it Hiram Winchester, the proprietor of uh, Gumtree Lane? Now, Gumtree Lane, Mm -hmm. is that that an actual street or is it property that you're describing? No, it's a property. Uh, In Australia, um, all the rural properties have names. Mm. And they have uh, have, uh, street addresses as well, but they have... Uh, you'll see, you'll be driving through the country, and you'll see, or they call it the bush, and you'll see signs, you know, of the different properties. Our property over there was called Glenfine, hmm. and we had another one that was called Yamba. So they all have names. So I chose to make the property that I was going to kind of center my story around, Gumtree Lane, based upon the lane that drove back into the main house. Incredible. You're- and that was... Your your main character is Hiram. Is that uh, is that correct? Hiram Hiram is the uh, patriarch of the Winchester family, and he has been murdered. Oh, and uh, quite mysteriously, and so the story begins with the family coming together to bury Grants, who was the grandfather, and uh, the mystery develops from there. It is a mystery novel. Uh, your audience it would it would it encompass uh, basically all age groups, or or is this yes, something a little yes. more? Yes. Yes, and it's it's got a Christian base to it as well. We give the gospel throughout the the Christian gospel throughout the story, and it it gets into some history of the Winchester family, who the progenitor of the Winchester family. Uh, hit it big in the gold rush in Australia. But that is all brought out within the story as it opens up. Because the, there's a lot of tradition in it. A lot of, I, I really tried to get to duplicate the way the Aussies talk mm-hmm. in, the, in their language and stuff, which is quite different. It from is. Aussie, Aussie English is a lot different than U.S. English. Um, and I, we had, it was interesting because we had a friend from an Australian friend who was visiting us and I had just finished, I was getting ready to submit my manuscript for the edited, it'd been edited and I'd gone back and made all the changes I wanted to make and he was visiting here and I said, would you read this and take anything out of it that doesn't sound Australian? Or Aussie, they call mm-hmm. themselves Aussies. Right. And he said, and he did, and he changed two or three things, and it not not a lot, but anyway. So he contributed to the story as well to make sure that it was. I I told him he Aussified it for me. <laughs> now, other than the death of Grands uh, in this story, is there mm-hmm. other action or adventure uh, segments yeah, well, that are? Well, it's. Um, it, it's the police investigation and how they track down a combination of the police working with his family as they track down what really happened to him because he he died mysteriously. I'm not going to give the story away, but uh, he died quite mysteriously, and they were getting ready for the funeral, and um, the police show up at their house and say that he had he had not died of natural causes. Hmm. Interesting. And so, and so then 
it takes off from there. And then the police get involved and you get to know the character and the, and the personality of the different investigators and so forth. So I hope it, I hope it's an entertaining story. I sure enjoyed writing it. <laughs> and, and, um, so people tell me that when they get to about uh, a third of the way through, they can't put it down. Oh, it's what they've told me. That, that's Once exciting. they get to know the characters, that they can't put the book down until they finish it. That's so. a, that's an exciting commendation of when that mm-hmm. happens to a, for an author. I have interviewed a number of number of authors, of course, and uh, some have exciting stories to tell, and some are the kind of books that you may never pick up again. Do you think this, Mm -hmm. because of the characters and the people you've developed in here, do you think they may have a story beyond this particular one that you have Well, I've left it open at the end for a sequel. Excellent. But I haven't started on it because I've started on another book that I'm working on um, that takes place in the United States. But Anyway, it's a novel, a mystery novel as well. Uh, the, um, the Gumtree Lane, is that current contemporary in time, or is it uh, looking backward? It's current. It it's is current. current. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, now the, it, it lapses back to pick up the history of the Winchester family, but the story takes place. It's modern. It's current. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Bev, how long did it take to complete this once you decided, I need to sit down and to carry out this creative um, process? Couple months, really? two three months, something like that. Wow, wasn't bad. Wasn't no, that's no, that's not that's not a bad time at all. I've talked to some authors <laughs> have taken nineteen or twenty years to complete a project. I think mm. they may have been major procrastinators. Obviously, you're not. <laughs> so, well, you know. I, once I, it, it was very interesting. I don't know how technical you want to get, but it was very yeah. interesting to me. This is the first time I've ever tried to write fiction, and. It was, once you had the characters set and you begin to know those characters, you didn't have to wonder in a certain situation what they're going to say. You didn't have to wonder what they were going to do because they acted out of who they were and they spoke out of who they were. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that surprised me. It, it really did, because I thought, gee, I'm going to have to figure out what this person's going to say and that mm-hmm. person's going to say. But it wasn't like that. Once um, one of the characters is Elise, she's the granddaughter of the man who was murdered. And it, her, her conversation, it, it was just flowed out of who she was. And I thought that was such an interesting th- dynamic that happened. And uh, I'm finding in this one that I'm working on now that that's the case here, too. So I'm sure that people who write fiction a lot have already discovered that, but it was a brand new thing for me. That's a a beautiful uh, statement of of how the story led you on the journey and how the journey Mm -hmm. led you on the story and the characters. Uh, Right. Some some authors have to sit down and detail everything out, uh, you know, almost chapter by chapter and and, uh, paragraph Mm -hmm. by paragraph. So it sounds as though the creative process just kind of flowed when you began to write this. Yeah, it did. It did. And that's what made it so much enjoyable, you know, so much fun to do. And uh, I, I know that, you know, I self-published, so it was, it was 
pretty costly for me. I, I don't have a lot of extra money to put it out, so I'm I'm donating my proceeds. So I'm hoping that uh, that we can sell some books. <laughs> well, I I do too because I'll give you my address and you can donate them to me as well. I mean, I just <laughs> just uh, as an idea. I don't know. Uh, you <laughs> an idea. Yeah, just an idea. <laughs> Any scenes in the book you think will really grab the reader as they are uh, going on well, this one journey? Of, one of my one of my favorite scenes in here is the day of. Grand's or uh, Hiram Winchester's funeral, hmm. and uh, his son is named Graham, and his granddaughter his name is Lise. I just told you about her. Yes. And um, he takes Graham takes his daughter to the cemetery there, the Winchester family cemetery, and tells her the story, stand, standing in front of the tombstones. Of of uh, William Winchester, the progenitor of the family, and his wife, and tells her his daughter how they met and how they come came to know each other, and it's a beautiful story, and I that's one of my favorite scenes, and because she, she the da- granddaughter was so close to this grandfather, and she was so distraught over his death. And she was comforted by knowing the family tradition. And they had a conversation about that on the way back to the house, how she she was seeing how God provides a way for us to grieve. Mm. And so it's, it's uh, it, that that's one of my favorite scenes, or favorite parts of the book, is how he tells her the story of how his, his great-great-grandparents met. Sounds like a wonderful read in its entirety, the title of which is Gumtree Lane. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there an underlying message that pops to the surface? I know you mentioned that this has a, a, a faith foundation, at mm-hmm. least because of your background. And well, your the, um, the idea is um, redemption, um, that we've you know, one of the characters in here, too, is um, Bruce Winchester, who is uh, kind of the ne'er-do-well black sheep of the family. Mm. And he is um, he is very spiteful because he came from the side of the family and he never got, he never inherited anything. The other side of the family did. And uh, but anyway, he he had always been jealous. He always thought that somebody had robbed him hmm. of something, and so he was out to get the family. And he made a big scene. He came to the wake of when Hiram passed away. He came to the wake and upset the family and made a big scene. And then he he by a I'm not going to give the story away, but by a set of circumstances. And through the kindness of Graham Winchester, he comes to the funeral, and he he accepts the Lord. He sees and he believes for salvation at the funeral, and his life is changed. And and then so the story also is woven through there, how he comes to be an integral part of the Winchester family. 
How fascinating. And sees his name in the family tree because the, fam- the, the genealogy fits into here, too. Beautiful. Of the Winchester family tree. The underlying message also you've stated is that there's always hope. And in a troubled world, that's an important message to share. Mm -hmm. The title of this book, again, is Gum Tree Lane. My -hmm. guest author, Beverly Schlotto. Where do we get copies of this, Bev? Well, you can get them from um, Amazon. No problem with Amazon. Just type in Gum Tree Lane, um, and you can order it from there. Uh, You can get it at Barnes & Noble, um, standard booksellers have it should have it very good they can also do a search under your name beverly b-e-v-e-r-l-y and schlato is spelled Mm -hmm. s-c-e-l-l-a-t-o and uh, don't don't put an h in it no h is in there but it sounds like that but uh, yes but Uh you can find it under her name and uh, this book plus whatever's coming in the future sounds like there's a lot of creativity there and inspiration and motivation to get more stories out into the marketplace. So best of luck, Beverly. Good Thank visiting you. with you, and we hope to hear from you again when something else hits the press and hits the streets. All right. And uh, listeners, you can get copies of this by requesting it at your local bookseller as well under Gumtree Lane. That should bring it up and do a search online. There's yep. websites in the development, so you can also find it that way. Thanks again for sharing your story, Bev. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. For Author Talk and Author House, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts... Greetings for Author Talk and Author House. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is 55 Reflections of a Searching Skeptic. I wonder what that's all about. Scanning the Depths of Spirituality and Mental Health. Joining me from Wisconsin is the author, Rich Melcher. Welcome, sir. Good morning, Jay. Good to hear your voice. Well, it's great to talk with you. Uh, We have visited before. We are talking again about your book because there's so much to explore here. Uh, The interesting thing about the title is the the idea of a searching skeptic and also the fact that you've managed to pen 168 pages uh, talking about your life and about your history and uh, about some things that you feel will be of benefit to others. What motivated you to share your story? 
Well, that's writing scripture and talking for about five years and poetry for 35 years. I realized that I acquired a, uh, an authentic voice with my own writings and style and decided to combine the poetry and the prose to create 55 reflections. Um, this form of self-expression gave me an idea that I had a real um, something to really give, something important. And uh, uh, it was also a learning tool for readers to challenge themselves to um, strike out and attempt to discover their authentic uh, voices. Uh, the back of your book talks about the fact that you have been very open about uh, having a bipolar a diagnosis, and uh, and yet that has not slowed you down any. You uh, you have uh, found a way to deal with that and to uh, function as anyone else in the universe functions without bipolar. Would that be a good thing to do? Or a good way to describe that? Yeah, sure. Well, I've been writing and speaking about bipolar for twenty eight years, half my life. I started in Minnesota and continued in Wisconsin here, and I joined the organization with NAMI. Uh, which was called In Our Own Voice, which we um, had uh, pairs go out and talk about our mental illnesses and then discuss it with uh, groups of college students and other groups like that. And uh, I've also been, uh, I've had bipolar for two-thirds of my life since 1980. And uh, it's been a big part of my life because uh, the illness uh, can have its ups and downs and uh, I've written six or seven readings in my book about bipolar, so I give a very good description of what it's like. So anybody who's interested in bipolar, uh, well, they should be because one out of 50 people have it, hmm. <laughs> including like a lot of celebrities like uh, Jim Carrey and Carrie Fisher of uh, Star Wars fame and Patty Duke, Richard Dreyfuss, the right. uh, late Robin Williams, Frank Sinatra, Michael Douglas. Mariah Carey, a lot of people have had this. These are just the stars that have had it. There are hundreds of thousands of other people in our society in America who have this illness. 168 pages, and one thing that struck me was a pivotal year for you. You had a background or, or had a career as a teacher or as an instructor, and in 1986 something happened where you for whatever reason, identified as a black man of, uh, of black culture. And uh, I don't believe you were born into the black culture. Is this, uh, how did that in- impact your life? <laughs> well, my first job out of college was at a black grade school with 400 black kids. And I assimilated into the culture very well. And what happened was when I became ill in 1986, that was in 1984, in 1986 when I became ill and became psychotic, with the illness, um, I just identified with the black culture so much that my illness brought me into thinking that I was a black man. It's very strange, but that's what happened. Um, I didn't have black skin, of course, but I was working with so many black people that my mind said, hey, this is who I am, too. And it, it uh, really had an impression on me. What is the organization African American Male Knights of Peter Claver, what does that uh, represent, and uh, that also factored into uh, a part of your life? Yeah, that's a recent uh, organization that I joined, which is almost all black Americans, black Africans, and um, I joined that as, uh, as a, of course, a white person in an almost predominantly black uh, organization that does service, uh, service work uh, in the community. 
and it's a Catholic organization for uh, laymen to, um, to really serve the community and the church of all saints, which I belong to in, in Milwaukee. Uh, you also are a part of a, a choir or a choral group that uh, does a lot of uh, what I would call soul music, black gospel, uh, all of that, and have traveled extensively, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. We've been to Paris. Uh, we've been to Rome, uh, New Orleans, uh, Washington, D.C., and all around our area here in Milwaukee. And it's a wonderful gospel choir. We have a, a great uh, leader, uh, Sheila, who really has a an act for bringing a spiritual out in us. Beautiful. And when we get together, even though we're not professionals, we make a big splash with the people who we sing to. Uh, I I would hope you would make a trip to Texas so I could uh, view the choir or listen to them. Have they done any recordings yet? <laughs> oh, yes. have done uh, many recordings uh, of the group. And uh, going back to 19... Oh, 87, we started recording. That was at all um, at Holy Angels Church where we started out, and then uh, now we're at All Saints and we've done uh, a number of recordings. We record every mass, so we have um, dozens and dozens of recordings there. It's amazing your story now. For those who are listening, although you do deal or touch on uh, bipolar and how it impacted your life, there's a lot more to your book than that. It's a, really a spiritual journey and an inspirational journey, and an encouraging book. Would that be a, a proper evaluation of what you've done? Yes, definitely. Um, I um, the late Kobe Bryant said uh, our challenge as people to figure out how we, our story can impact others and motivate them to create their own greatness. I mean, that's really what it's about. And Stephen Covey, the author of highly effective, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, he died a few years ago of a bike accident, but he wrote in his Eighth Habit, which he came out 20 years after the Seven Habits, he said, find your voice and inspire others to find theirs. And that's what my book is about. That's what it's all about is uh, 55 Reflections is an encourager. It's a prompter for readers to discover their own authentic voice. In Chapter 7, or Reflection 7, I guess, out of, uh, out of the uh, many that you have uh, shared, uh, your poetry is also featured in that Chapter 7 or, or uh, uh, Reflection 7, mm -hmm. uh, and it's titled The, the Whole. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is that, uh, that particular poem, uh, mm -hmm. what does it reflect, or what is it about? Uh, it's about um, St. Francis, and uh, uh, I noticed that uh, a portrait of his had a hole about, uh, about the size of an egg in his shoulder, and uh, I could read a bit of that for you if you'd like to hear it. Yes, please. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Okay. So it's about St. Francis and the, and the poor in spirit, because the chapter's called the poor in spirit. And it says, But it is in this very hole that God may do his best work, because God knows the power of mercy and its redeeming qualities that, make, that can make a wayward soul come up to life again. I have been there, have you? In the hole of emotional distress, in the hole of psychological stress, in the hole of physical duress, pretty familiar territory for many, intimately for many more. Yet there is a comfort and solace in being aware of the personal poverty of spirit 
to be to be at peace in the midst of a lack, knowing that you, the light of Christ, can shine through any darkness in any place at any time. You say, if you sense a poverty of spirit in your life today, rest in the knowing how the freedom of a trapped miner comes That's in discovery one. of a light-filled or light-flooded hole above and you shall be set free too. And do you write under the uh, the written name, under mm-hmm. the poetry name of Corsair also for those who are listening. In writing your book, what uh, did you want to achieve besides the obvious? Uh, was there a motivation that perhaps uh, floated to the surface as you began uh, assembling all of these thoughts and ideas and inspirations? It's kind of a practical and an inspirational motivation. The practical is that it is a collection of eclectic reflections, uh, ranging from spiritual commentary to um, pointed commentary on my bipolar disorder diagnosis. And it's peppered with um, uh, uh, related poetry and expression and has dozens of uh, interesting and inspirational readings, such as dealing with um, like the anger issues, humility, uh, segregation, which is part of the Black Lives Matter movement, right now, um, feeling less than, which is, again, part of the movement because of how people have been put down, the black people have been put down and felt less than. And in living with, um, uh, like, a spiritual philosophy such as no hurries, no worries. Mm-hmm. That's the practical way of looking at it. The inspirational <laughs> way is uh, the uh, to encourage us and prompter, it's a prompter for readers to discover how they can develop their own unique voices, whether it be in speaking, writing, or just in thinking. What were the challenges, Rich, in completing this? I I know that uh, you have had an incredible journey, and I will say it's also inspirational uh, how you've you've shared your story. Uh, Were there challenges, and and how long did it take to complete? It took about eight months to complete, and I think the biggest challenge was to take the poetry from back 35 years ago onto the present and relating it to the prose, which is pretty much from the last five years of spiritual reflections and taking those and putting them together um, appropriately. And also um, sharing my story took a lot of energy. I shared my story in two different places and then in five other different different places I talk about bipolar. So um, that was a challenging and fun uh, way to express myself also. You have uh, titles such as Multi-Blessings, You Act Black is one of the reflections, The Woman at the Well, uh, which is a spiritual reflection, obviously, because it also deals with uh, Easter Mm -hmm. reflections and others. Uh, You have uh, have a a wide variety of things that uh, could inspire and certainly cheer up anybody that reads your book. I think it's well done and certainly a unique approach to sharing a personal story and journey, the title of which is 55 Reflections of a, Sca- of a Searching Skeptic, Scanning the Depths of Spirituality and Mental Health. My guest author, Rich Melcher, who also writes and shares his poetry under the name of Corsair. Sir, where can my listeners get a copy of your book? It's on Amazon and um, Barnes & Noble's basically. 
through the internet because it's a self-published book at this time. But we're seeking to get it to be a traditional publisher to publish it, and then it will be available in bookstores. Fabulous. They can also ask their local bookseller for the book by title or by the author name. And Rich is R-I-C-H, mm-hmm. and Melcher mm-hmm. is spelled M-E-L-C-H-E-R. If you're doing a search online, you can find Rich, and you can find this book. And I'm uh, assuming that there will be others in the future. Is that correct? Up on the way, hopefully, describing the kind of the lost years of Jesus, uh, in between age 12 when he was um, found in the temple and when he was kind of took away from his parents and uh, they lost him uh, from that time. And then his life just disappears in the Bible until late 30 when he comes out as, uh, as, uh, in his ministry. So I'm writing about his uh, years of those lost years and how he became who he was as a, as a, a minister and uh, a savior for us all. Well, fabulous. Thank you, Rich, for joining me today and sharing your story. Again, the title of the book is 55 Reflections of a Searching Skeptic. My author, Rich Melcher. And listeners, you can also connect with him through his website, 55reflections.com. Thank you, Rich, for joining me today. Thanks, Jay. I really appreciate the time with you. My pleasure for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. It's Merchant Never Heard. Did you hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become bruxelmaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A bruxelmaniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Scriptural Trail from Eden. And joining me from the Bahamas is the author, Hard Bastien. Welcome, sir, to the program. Ah, thank you, Doug. It's good, My pleasure. It's good to visit with you. Your, your book I would describe as a first-person account uh, of, uh, of maybe a faith walk or a journey or a book of inspiration. How would you describe it, sir, and why did you decide to, to write it? What was the motivation behind it? Well, Doug... I wanted to simplify the connection between the Old and the New Testament by recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord God from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. My motivation is to clarify as simple as possible that the theme of the entire Bible is redemption. 
I was motivated by a burning desire that lessened as I began to compile the manuscript. Uh, would it be possibly? Would you? Are you possibly involved as a minister in uh, in your in your particular uh, occupation, or are you a person who just is a person of faith with a passion to to share the gospel? Uh, surprisingly, I am a, an accountant, an investment manager, and I, I think I'm just a person of faith that actually would like to share the gospel. Wonderful. And uh, when you begin to write this, uh, it's not a long read. It's 80 pages in length. And as I was looking through the book, uh, again, my approach or my understanding of how it was written, it's really a first-person approach. You are conversational in the way you have approached the topic material. And uh, when you began to to write this, who did you think would find this of value? I, I felt that the book would be suitable for experienced Christian readers who wants a more in-depth analysis and new converts to Christianity who wants an easily understood summary of the Old and the New Testament. This book can also be helpful for Bible study groups and even readers who aren't religious can find insight from studying stories of the Bible. A very important topic material that you've covered here, because there are some in the area of faith or church-going folks that stay away from the Old Testament because they think it's not valid for today. Uh, You have approached this as something that is valid, uh, both Old and New Testament. And what do you want people to take away from this? Uh, You have uh, 80 pages. I don't know how long it took to complete, but uh, there must have been an underlying message also that you wanted to share. What I would like to share, Doug, is that I would like to present to the readers more about Christianity and to add to their spiritual growth. And the Bible itself was about 1,600 years of, uh, of authorship, correct? That's correct, Doug. And what was the theme of, uh, of, of all of that, do you feel? Well, the, the theme, the theme of, uh, in writing, in writing the, the book, the same is more or less to enhance people's spirituality, and it, it's all about a redemption story. Beautifully put. The, the book itself is 80 pages. How long did it take to complete, Howard? Uh, it, it took me about three months to complete, and the reason why it was such a short write is because I did a lot of research over the years, and it was easy for me to actually sit down and put it together put my understanding together as a Christian person as it relates to other people that are still on the journey. There are probably some things that stood out to you as you were recounting your uh, your journey and uh, the story that is unfolded in your book, Scriptural Trail from Eden. Uh, is there one thing that stood out to you as you began to, uh, to read that or, or write that? One of the things that stood out to me, Doug, is that the all-powerful God could have redeemed humanity in many ways. And it, it, it intrigues me that God sent his Son in the form of God and man. I would like to refer to page 38 of the book, yes. if you would allow me. Absolutely. Uh, 
Page 38, I explain the reason why Jesus Christ came as God and man. And uh, allow me to go to Revelation chapter 3, chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, and I quote, And no man in heaven nor earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereof. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals thereof. That really intrigues me and it stayed with me to reflect on why Jesus Christ came to redeem us. For many, it's a complex issue. Uh, obviously, some think of uh, Christianity as a religion, not a faith uh, relationship. I'm, I'm, I guess, using my own paraphrasing to uh, to give an understanding to this. There are uh, uh, things in this book and in the uh, scriptures that are confusing to people. How would you introduce this book to somebody and and uh, let them know that this is a little bit different than than others in the marketplace? Well, how I would introduce it to them, I would refer to myself. After many years with accepting the Bible teaching passed down to me from family and friends, my book, Scriptural Trails from Eden, proves that the Bible is authentic because I was able to tie in the book of Genesis to Revelation with the redemption story. There are lots of religious books and teaching books in the marketplace. Why is yours different? I think I have some opinions about that, but I'd like to hear it from you. This book is different, Doug, from many Christian books because it is a straightforward read, and it gives the reader a step-by-step scriptural support of humanity's redemption story, beginning in the book of Genesis. To the book of Revelation. Uh, basically, I was able to tie Genesis to Revelation, and I think that would be very helpful for readers who actually look at the book, at the Old Testament as different from the New Testament, but it's whole, it's, the whole book is just one theme, redemption. Were there any challenges that you hadn't anticipated? I'm not sure. I haven't asked this question yet, but is this the first book you've published? Oh, no. I have actually published uh, many books before. Uh, I've actually I, I've written this book after I retired. Mm. So I was able to put everything together with this particular book. But I've written many other books. Was there a, an additional challenge to this? You mentioned you were able to complete this in a very short period of time. Uh, that is commendable in its own right. Uh, were there other challenges, perhaps, uh, that you hadn't anticipated? Uh, not really. Like I said, because this is more or less a life journey for me. As I research and study the Bible over the years, for somehow, Doug, it all came it, it just all came together, and I was able to do it in a very short time. The title is intriguing and also uh, eye-catching, for sure. 
and I like I like the way the book is laid out. It's uh, again very first person in the descriptives and in the uh, dialogue and in the commentary that that's written. So this could be used as a a study book for someone who's wanting to be a searcher or is a searcher. It also could be a Bible study book for small groups and and others. Is that uh, also something that you've found is uh, usable? Yes, uh, it, it can also be uh, for Bible study groups can, can actually use it very easily. It can be looked upon as a historical book because I relate to the Old Testament and I kind of brought it through to the New Testament. Uh, it can also be very good for non-religious persons who is just interested in finding out about Christianity because how it is set up, it is it's a very easily read. Well, congratulations on completing this. I, I hope we get to visit again on perhaps the next project you uh, decide to immerse your creativity in. The title of this book, again, is Scriptural Trail from Eden. My guest, who has joined me from the uh, from the Bahamas, is Howard Bastian. B-A-S-T-I-A-N, if you're doing a search online. Howard, how do we get a copy of this book and others that you've written? Uh, you can get a copy from Amazon. And I, all, I also have a website. Wonderful. The website is www.lifeline144. Lifeline144.com? Lifeline144. Yep, yes, sir. Very good. Uh, listeners, I would uh, recommend this book, regardless of what your personal denomination or affiliation is. And if you're a seeker, this would be a good book to start with because it's, again, very conversational in the way it's approached. Howard, I think it's to be commendable. I mean, it is commendable the way you've approached it. It's uh, easy read, and uh, yet it talks about your journey and is not uh, preachy, if I may use that word. It is just informational and uh, certainly well done. Howard, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Uh, Jeff, what I like to, I'll just make a correction if you would sure. let me. Sure. Uh, the website is www.life144.com. I, I apologize. That's okay. Life144.com. Yeah. Excellent. Understand you have uh, dedicated this to someone special or something special. Yes, I dedicated the book to people who are sincerely and persistently searching with a burning desire to find a satisfying truth and peace about the triune God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do a search under the author's name, too, if you wish to find out more details about this book and others that perhaps will end up in the marketplace. Howard Bastian is spelled B-A-S-T-I-A-N, and you'll find this and others on on the web and in Amazon, and hopefully other your local bookseller can also order it in. Howard, thanks for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Doug. You have a wonderful day. Yes, sir. For Author Talk and Author House, this is J. Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.